greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Because I'm middle-aged and crazy, crazy like a fox. Is there anything wrong with that attitude, well, you have Mr. No Hayes? You have no dignity. You jackass. Please, don't try to... Don't demean Alfred. Alfred's a nice guy. Don't you know Alfred? He knows me. I know him, too, and he's always been the same. He'll never change. What's wrong with me? Your whole family was the same. Well, the whole please, family, don't, hey, don't talk about my family. Alfred. Don't ever mention my family. All right, apologize. I was Texas Tony. Fred and Texas Hey, Tony, Fred. thank you. Tony, how you doing, Bob? Yeah. Come on in. Right. How you doing? Have a seat. Thanks for joining us again. Earlier on, of course, Tony Garea with us. Uh, earlier in TNT and... Glad to have you back. This is a little different environment than uh, New Zealand, isn't it? It certainly is. It certainly is. Definitely Aren't you going to be new to hospitable and asking for a beer? Or ask nice to see you. Hey, Donna. Away from my honey, bring us some beer. Mm -hmm. Be very All nice. All the way around, honey. It is a, a totally different environment. It certainly is. And I'm rather enjoying it. It's uh, very unique. I've never have been around such a nice environment before being from New Zealand, have you? I've been around a few nice ones, Mr. Funk. Nice a few Nice environments. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Don. You're a gentleman. And the environments are getting a lot nicer. <laughs> really? You're right. Definitely. I think, I think this one, uh, this one, yeah, that one for Tully. That's a special one. What might your name be? You know, Mr. Funk. No, no. How would you draw land. comparisons? Have you ever been to New Zealand? I've never been to New Zealand. Where? You've never been to New, New Zealand? Zealand. Have you ever been to New Zealand? No, no. Well, it's a, some great. of the land in New Zealand is a little bit like West Texas, like actually, from, from, what, uh, from what I understand. Yeah. Mr. Funk. What? what? First thing. Talking about some of the geographic. Geographic. Yes. Yeah. Geography. I minored in geography. Oh, very well, then. You'll know a little bit something about New Zealand as compared to West Texas, then, won't you? Very, very well. Mr. Fox, 
a little difficult yeah. carrying on a conversation. We have some here. With uh, you from time to time. See you later. Have a good time. Okay, Tony. See you. Again, let's talk a little bit. You've toured the entire world, have you not? Wrestling all over the entire world. And what? Mr. Falk, are you with us? Well, there's a lot of cattle here. Just a minute. Mr. Falk, could you please come back? Welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I am your host, JP John Poss, and this is a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire, part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcast feed. Today on the Hogan Era Podcast, we're going to focus in on another great feud, one that is kind of uh, undervalued to me and one of the ones that people almost forget about, but it was there and it was a good one. Today, we're going to focus in on the little feud he had, the mini feud, the side feud, if you will. With one Terry Funk. The Texas Bronco himself <clears throat> had a great run in the WWF for only a year. He was there from about June 1985 to about May 1986. And then he makes a brief reappearance in 87 for the Paul Bosch retirement show where he defeats Chavo Guerrero. That is Chavo Guerrero Sr. for those keeping track at home. And then really, of course, after that, you can go into 97 and 98 where he had a great run then. And then if you go all the way back to 1971, 72, and 73, he did make a few brief appearances then, mostly teaming with his father, Dory Funk Sr. And then he has one one-on-one match defeating Chuck Richards as well. So it's one of those things where Funk was kind of in and around the WBF for short stints and short amount of time. Nothing really too long, like I said, a year. And then again in 97, 98 for another year. But during the Hogan era, it's just really 1985 and 1986, that one year straight through. And if you remember, he did get a great LJN. He got a great action figure there. So that was a kind of a cool deal. I'm sure he made a pretty penny off of that. Anybody who got those really, you know, we're, we're in for quite a treat because you're going to be ended up making thousands. Honky Tonk Man said that he made almost $100,000 off the LJN. And if you go back to the 80s and equate that to money today, I don't even know what it would be, but it, with inflation and everything else, it would probably be a pretty, pretty penny. I know Hillbilly Jim as well said he got, I think it was eighty-five dollars or $90,000 made off of his LJN figure. So, I mean, those things were great if you're a part of the series. And I know Funk was a small part in the series, but awesome that he was involved. So prior on the show, of course, we've talked about different feuds. We'll talk about Yokozuna, Earthquake, Sid Justice, The Undertaker, Ric Flair. We'll talk about 
The Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man Randy Savage, Hot Rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper. But today, talk about one of the greatest of all time, like I mentioned, Terry Funk. And if you think about his feud in the WWF with Hogan, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it was a Saturday night's main event, kind of like a mini feud, big time main event on the house show scene and the house show circuit feud. That's where a lot of the money was back then. If you think about these shows and putting on shows like, oh, but they didn't have a pay-per-view match. Not that there was many pay-per-views in 1985 and 86 as, as there is, but it was like, oh, but it didn't have that pay-per-view. It didn't get that big blow of Hogan and Funk were two of the biggest stars of all time, two of the biggest names of all time, two of the greatest wrestlers of all time. They should have had this big pay-per-view or this big blow-off. just wasn't the case. They didn't have those shows then. The real money was in the house shows and running those markets and being in house show main events all over this great United States literally ranging from let's just say and even uh, even canada too so you know you can go to denver colorado you can go to la you can go all the way over to philly you can go all the way over to massachusetts go all the way over to new york i mean you can make a ton of money with these house shows and that's where the money was at this point big time in the house shows and of course in hulkster the reason we're all here the reason we're probably or most of us are probably fans they may not even realize it has to do with hogan and his immense drawing power before i get into the WWF World Heavyweight Championship matches that Funk and Hogan had over this great uh, North America. They did have a match in South Africa in 1982. It was called Wrestling in Sun City, and the event was in Sun City, South Africa. Hogan defeats Funk. Really three matches on the show, two women's matches, and the Hulk match. It was one of those things where I think it's just completely forgotten in South Africa. Random as hell, weird as hell to, to do that, but one of those things where you know if you're hot you're hot and in 1982 hogan was starting to come into his own but really i feel like the hot hand was funk because of how, how big a name he made globally whether nwa or in japan but this was one of those things where it's like miss india against south america miss canada versus miss holland and then all of a sudden the real main event is hogan defeating terry funk so just randomly wanted to mention that that wasn't the first time that they met was WWF was actually South Africa in 1982. So Terry Funk is in the WWF. He, he makes his debut in June of 80, 85. He beats Mario Mancini, local uh, wrestler, good hand, great enhancement star. That's just the way it was done back then. And you kind of move on from there. So kind of for months there, Funk is just wrestling just all sorts of different stars of the day in the WWF. It's one of those things where you don't just usually, usually don't immediately start feuding with Hogan or fighting with Hogan. You built yourself up a little bit. I know we've talked about on the show, there's been some circumstances where guys did basically go right after Hogan and feud with him right away, but there's more rare than not. So he beats Mancini. Like I said, it was June 17th, 1985, making his debut. He goes on for there, and he has a bit of a feud with the Junkyard Dog. He does have a match against Tito Santana, which is very notable because it was part of the first King of the Ring in 1985. Tito defeats the Funkster by DQ there. He'll beat Lanny Poffo. He'll beat George Wells. He'll beat Sweet Hansen. He'll beat SD Jones. He'll beat Rick McGraw, Salvatore Belomo. There's a bunch of guys that you'll definitely recognize the name and you'll definitely appreciate some of these guys for sure. Maybe not then, but now looking back, he'll have a match against Tito for the IC title in Anaheim that goes to a draw and then really kind of starts the feud with JYD. 
and they'll have double countouts. They'll have matches where it's a draw. I mean, this is like kind of a even feud. But then as we start hitting the house show circuit in San Francisco and L.A., Funk starts getting the better of JYD. And then when JYD does end up getting the better of Junkyard Dog, excuse me, better of Funkster, usually it's by DQ, and, and that's usually how he wins. But they do have an MSG show in 85 in September where Funk actually loses to JYD and takes the pinfall there. But mostly, for the most part, uh, a lot of DQ finishes, which was kind of you know prevalent and, and big back in the day to kind of keep the heel going strong. I know there's some house shows where JYD does get some pinfall victories. And for, for the most part, you're going to see a lot of DQs just to keep the Funkster strong. And then when you go to, let's say, MSG or Philly, which would be, of course, on the MSG network, in Philly, you were on the Prism network, you would have some JYD wins. But when they're on the national scale, if you go to Saturday night's main event number three in Hershey, PA, Terry Funk is going to end up getting the victory on JYD on TV. So it really kind of keeps him strong on the global sense and on the on the sense where everybody is, is looking and everybody's watching. You keep Funk strong because you're eventually keeping Funk strong so that he'll face the immortal Hulk Hogan. And it's all, of course, leading up to that feud with the Hulkster, albeit, like I said, it's more of like a mini feud or a small feud or a little feud. It wasn't one of those things where it's Piper and they're fighting in WrestleMania or, or something like that. But very important because the house shows are super important and Saturday night's main event, getting those ratings, getting that national attention. That is very important and very, very strong. So just thinking about funk, he's very synonymous with the NWA and with championship wrestling from Florida throughout the seventies and eighties. You would obviously see him dominating the world in Japan as well. In 1975, he of course captured his only NWA world heavyweight championship from the legendary, one of the greatest of all time, Jack Briscoe. During this time, of course, Funk would regularly compete in All Japan Pro Wrestling and, of course, team with his brother, the legendary former NWA champion as well, Dory Funk Jr. So when Terry joins the WWF in 1985, it's really, like I said, it's only going to be for a year. The real highlight would probably be WrestleMania 2 when Terry teamed with Dory Funk for God knows what reason. I guess this would be a, probably be one of those different stories for a different day, but he was known as Haas Funk. Why he couldn't be Dory Funk, the legendary wrestler that he was, former NWA champion, I just do not know. thought that was very odd and very strange. I'm sure there's some sort of odd reasoning to that. So WrestleMania 2, Dory Funk, a.k.a. Haas Funk, and Terry defeat Junkyard Dog and Tito Santana. That would probably be the highlight, really, of the run or would be this kind of mini-series of house show matches with the Hulkster, where he would eventually face Hulkster for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. But like I mentioned, never got the opportunity to wrestle Hulkster one-on-one -on, -one on pay per view. So if you go to Jim Ross, obviously legendary, legendary performer or, and really legendary announcer, he went into detail on Funk's run, who you know he's known for many, many years. Good friends with Terry for a while. I know he really wouldn't, meaning JR, wouldn't answer the WWF until 1993. But on his podcast, Grilling JR with Connie, he kind of went into detail and had a lot to say about Funk's run in 85 and 86 in the WF. He said Terry could have been a great opponent for Hogan because Terry would have known how to work with Hogan to embellish Hogan's skills. 
Vince McMahon was very cautious not to book Hogan with quote unquote average size guys. He wanted him to sell for a guy that was bigger than him. It's the same concept that Vince and JR used when they hired Mick Foley for The Undertaker in 1996. He thought maybe Foley was too small to be working with The Undertaker, who was obviously 6'11 and a monster. But as Jared were going to say, you're looking for an opponent, and Foley was 6'4", 300 pounds. And I think the same theory is true with the topic of what we're talking about with Hogan and Funk. Vince was going to make sure and not blame him for this, that Hogan was booked for the right guy that can create the right visual and the right dynamics so that the Hulks are sold and had more believability. I think there's a lot to say for that. Protecting your golden goose, excuse me, your golden goose now that he's spitting out these golden eggs in the form of tickets sold. Great point there by JR to a point, but obviously Funk is probably a little bit bigger than Roddy Piper and he had a great feud with Piper. But I know what he's saying. I know the point, and I know that there was a lot of pushback with Mankind, a.k.a. McFoley, shooting with The Undertaker, saying he was smaller. But that feud, if you look at it, I mean, that saved Undertaker. He was so blonde, boring, and bland. Mankind comes in and kind of reinvigorated Undertaker, not only the character, but really the presence and the aura and everything. He just re really reinvigorated The Undertaker, and he had great, great matches with him. And I think that could be the case for, you know, a lot of guys where it's like, okay, what could we use for Hogan here to spice him up on the house show scene? What could we use for Hogan here to spice him up on Saturday night's main event? Why not crazy Texan, believable, total credible, former NWA world champion, Terry Funk. So they first have their first match on 11, 15, 1985. It was a world heavyweight championship match. It was a house show at the McNichols arena in Denver, Colorado, Terry Funk actually defeats the Hulkster by countout. So great kind of start to the feud there. I love it. So then we go to 11, 1985 Hogan defeats Funk in 10 minutes at a house show in Denver. Then we go to the prism network. So you're not going to find many TV matches. You're going to find three and we'll get into them really with Hogan and Funk. Really, if you can get Nesson, if you can get available, it would be four. But there's stuff online you could find from the Prism Network, which was the network housed in Philly. And if you're part of the local market, like you're part of me when I was part of the MSG Network, you get the MSG feed and you get those shows that they're playing that happen in MSG. So the Philadelphia Spectrum would have shows in Philly that you get on the prism network. Very awesome stuff. If you can get your hands on it, really cool. You're seeing main event level matches. You're seeing TV matches and it's all a part of kind of your local network. Love that stuff. Awesome as hell. Nesson, like I said, had it with Boston. You got prism having it with the spectrum, obviously MSG with the shows and MSG at New York city. So here, 12 7 1985 Hulk Hogan defeats Terry Funk a little bit over 10 minutes. This of course, like I said, is from the spectrum in Philly on the prism network. Then we go to a house show at Maple Leaf Gardens where Terry Funk loses to Hogan. These are all title matches, by the way. Hogan, of, of course, the long-running WWF champion, defeats him 8 minutes, 42 seconds, 12-15-85. Then we go to 12-19-85. Saturday night's main event. Here we go. The Sun Dome, Tampa, Florida, 8 minutes, 30 seconds. The Hulkster gets the win. Saturday night's main event, number four, defending the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Great match. You're going to hear it at the end of this show. We're going to uh, play some clips from that. Really good stuff from Hulk and Terry Funk. Go to YouTube if you want to check that out. I'm not sure if it's on the network, a.k.a. the Peacock Network. Not really sure or not. I would advise you to check that out and kind of find out for yourself. But definitely 
like I did. I just typed it on YouTube and checked it out there. Awesome match. A little bit different of a Hulkster you're going to see here. A little bit more of a snug, stiff worker. Definitely working tough with Funk. A little bit more of a wild brawl. Absolutely love this match. Very cool. Whenever I kind of want, you know, think about Hulkster and I want to watch some different matches, I'll do the Hogan Funk. I'll do the Hogan Piper, Hogan Dr. D, Hogan Orndorff. You get a different flavor and get a different size side of Hulk Hogan. And you see a little bit different because you see like, oh, he just hulks up and oh, he just kind of works in the bottom, works his way up, hulks up, uh, leg drop or big boot, leg drop, finish. It's over. The order of the crowd. Well, it was a little bit different with some of these guys. He really was working hard, really had some awesome matches. I know that's a tried and true formula. And yes, it did work, work for sure later on, especially with some of the bigger guys. And that is an awesome formula. And it is the Hogan formula and it worked to a T. But I like seeing those these different Hogan matches where it really shows to you, really proves to you, hey, this Hogan guy can work. He really, really can work. And he really can work quite well. And I'm going to mention that the match was held on 12-19-1985. But... It was shown on TV January 4th, 1986 on NBC, part of Saturday Night's the main event four. This is one of those things where they tape it earlier. They tape it a part of a, a house show or they tape it a part of a, you know, weeks before a part of a taping and they play it weeks later on NBC. Very, very common. It would happen all the time. So then we'll go to the Keel Auditorium in St. Louis. Hogan defeats. Terry Funk there on January 1st, 1986. February 1st, 1986, Hogan defeats Funk in Baltimore, Maryland. Then we'll go to February 2nd, 1986, Hogan defeats Funk at the Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati. Then let's go to L.A., the sports arena in Los Angeles, California. Valentine's Day, 214, 1986, Hogan defeats Funk there. WBF on Nesson, which like I was talking about before, which was the local show for the Boston Garden. Hogan and the Junkyard Dog defeat the Funk Brothers, Haas and Terry Funk, 11 minutes, 30 seconds. And that, of course, was from the Boston Garden, 3-8-1986. Then they had another house show at the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland, 3-9-1986. Hogan and JYD beat Haas and Terry Funk there. Then again, another house show in Camp Arena, same result. Then let's go to St. Louis, again to the Keel Auditorium. JYD and Hulk defeat Haas and Terry Funk, 3-22-1986. Then... Hogan and the JYD and the Junkyard Dog defeat the Funk Brothers, Haas Funk and Terry Funk, 13 minutes, 30 seconds, a part of WBF Saturday Night's main event number six from the Civic Center in Providence, Rhode Island, 5-1-1986. This, of course, would air May 3rd, 1986. Like I mentioned, these two legends, Hulkster and Terry Funk, did have great house show matches, sold out everywhere, like I said, from Toronto to L.A., all the way to Boston and Philly. Then they had the two Saturday Night's main event matches, the one one-on-one match where Hogan defeats him, which you'll hear at the end of the show. Then the tag match here, which is kind of really the swan song of Terry Funk and really Dory Funk here as J.Y.D. and Hogan defeat the Funk Brothers in a little bit over 13 minutes. So good stuff there from the uh, Funkster and Hogan. Just one of those things, again, it's like I wish they could have feuded more. It just wasn't meant to be, but I love it looking back. It's a small period of time, but it's like, man, that is just cool as hell that we were able to get this kind of like mini feud here with Hogan. While while Hogan's feuding with Piper, why he's feuding with Bundy, we get this mini feud of Terry Funk thrown in and one of the greatest of all time, great matches really cool stuff and like i mentioned that's the swan song there that's his real last match 
until 1987, a part of the Paul Bush ret retirement show, but that kind of really wasn't the WWF match. Yes, it is in essence. I know it's from Houston Coliseum, but it really was a NWA Houston show and really was a Paul Bosch show in essence. So really funk before 1997, you know, he hadn't wrestled in WWF for 10 years. Pretty crazy to think that. And, and obviously was a big name everywhere else. NWA, ECW, I mean, WCW, the all Japan promotion made his name big time everywhere. It's just a shame. We didn't get a more big time feud between, hulk and terry funk i really kind of wish we would have it would have been awesome it would have been pretty damn epic just if you think about funk just in general what he was able to do and what he's able to accomplish it's totally credible great worker great brawler awesome promo and you're going to hear an awesome little vignette that vince did uh, if you haven't heard it already you should have earlier in in the, in the program here where i played where he's at a bar with funk and funk has his way with Terry, uh, excuse me, a Tony Gurria, which is awesome. Uh, just so cool. And, and just so awesome that they would do stuff like that. I wish they would do more stuff like that nowadays, kind of create this character, have him breaking beer bottles over Tony Gurria's head and stuff like that. Get out of the arena, start doing that cool stuff again. But what a character, or what a wrestler funk was. And really, you know, maybe he didn't fit in with the WWF. To me, he did, and 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 maybe he could have got a bigger push, but he kind of felt like he didn't fit in. And like you know, the great story with him and Vince McMahon, he was supposed to be in 1993. He was supposed to be a part of Survivor Series. He was going to be on Jerry Lawler's team, which ended up being Shawn Michaels' team with the Knights. And I know we got Jeff Gaylord and Barry Horowitz and Greg Valentine instead, but supposedly they wanted Funk to be one of the Knights in 93 at Survivor Series. And he said, which is friggin' great and hilarious, I can't make it, my horse is sick. And that kind of grew and became a legend and everything else. But just so funny, it's basically Funk telling Vince to F off, no interest in doing it, didn't want to be a part of that. A uh, few didn't like what he had from booking-wise and just basically told Vince to piss off, which is just hilarious and great. And that's Terry Funk for you in a nutshell. I mean, what a character... What a legend and what a small but integral part of the Hogan era. Like I said, hey, any of those guys that got the LJNs, that's pretty damn cool. You kind of live on forever with that as far as like the WBF universe, the world. And I mean, if you're a true blue wrestling fan, you know Funk is a god and you know he's an absolute legend. And you know him and Hogan could have done so much more. What a great mini feud. I absolutely love it. I love talking about these mini feuds. I love the, that they're a part of the Hogan era, almost forgotten to a certain point, but to me, so memorable because we're going to talk about it in a few weeks. Harley Race, Bad News Brown, even Kamala, like these small feuds that Hogan has with these guys that are absolute legends that drew really well in the house shows. There just wasn't enough time and enough TV and enough pay-per-views back then to really make this a full concerted effort to make them bigger feuds than what they ended up being. They were great because Funk got to work Saturday night's main event with Hogan. They're great because he got to work all these house shows with Hogan, but it would have been cooler and, and even more grandiose if they got pay-per-views and they were able to have pay-per-view matches and bigger matches against Hogan. Like I said, you got Saturday night's main event four, you got Saturday night's main event six, you, you know, you got Hogan and Funk, but that's just to me, maybe uh, wasn't quite, enough of that feud uh, to me could have been maybe should have been a longer 
more focused in on feud. Hell, I wouldn't even more mind it if Terry Funk got a WrestleMania match against Hulk Hogan. I mean, that's how much I think of Funk, and that's how much of a god he was, and how much of a legend he was. But hey, I'll settle for this small feud during this great Hogan era. Let's head to the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com and of course patreon patreon.com slash tmptempire like to thank everybody for tuning in we'll see you right back here next week for the hogan era podcast see you next week folks this has been a john pause power trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling you could follow us on instagram and twitter at two-man power trip you could check us out on facebook you could subscribe on youtube you can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two man power trip where the power lies, brother. Tremendous blow back up now on the apron. Making his way back in. He is a competitor all the way around. Funk, a man able to mix it up in almost any fashion. He has the scientific knowledge. He can roughhouse it with the best of them as well. Locking back up the Hulkster now. In control of things. Terry Funk whips him to the rip for the ride. Goes downstairs. Oh, look at that. Hulkster stepping right over. Look at this. Back in for him. Back in for him. Finally hooking the rope and outside, Terry Funk. Oh, my. Funk is bringing everything over with him. He pulled the timekeeper's table over. Everything. And Jimmy Hart better watch himself. The dog is looking he right at him. I'll tell you. Chair back in the ring. You Hulk. can see the junkyard dog being here. As well. Oh, yeah, look at this. The junkyard dog's upset the game plan. Sound of Terry Funk. They're gonna have to 
start all over again, McMahon, in my opinion. Terry Fox on the apron, making his way right back in before being counted out. What a matchup so far. Terry Funk circling, trying to collect his thoughts now. Jimmy Hart getting that megaphone going outside the ring. I can hear it. Oh, he is the mouth of the south, maybe of the northeast and west as well. Hulkster now back to the corner. Funk with a south polish chop, another one. Hulkster whips it back around. Ooh, ooh, look at this. Just a bit. I think he was distracted by Jimmy Hart. He definitely hesitated. It cost him. Headbutt by Funk. Funk with another one. Terry Funk building a little momentum now. Side hit. Oh. Funk with a kick. I think he was trying to get the shins of Hulk Hogan. We'll call that an accident. Funk kicking away now. Well, Going out to the apron now. Terry Funk on his way to the top rope. Look at this. Ho, oh, Talk about poetic justice. Hulk Hogan with Terry Funk knee to the spine. Oh, baby. Funk is in trouble right here. He made a mistake, and Hogan's capitalizing on it. Headbutt by Hogan. Hogan trying to set up Funk. Whips him to the rope. What a clothesline. Drops the elbow. Yes, sir. Go for it. Hulk Hogan with momentum. Hulk Hogan with all kinds of momentum. The champion now with a side headlock on Kerry Funk, the challenger. What a matchup. To the rope and off. No. Oh, wow. you saw that. You saw that, Jesse. That low-life Jimmy Hart. Oh, yeah. Now up, oh, oh, he can't go that way. He can't go anyway. Jimmy Hart underneath the ring. Get him out, get him out, get him out. Do you blame him? He weighs 120 pounds. It better hide. Meanwhile, Terry Funk, I believe, has something in his hand. Funk is choking him, I think. Yes! Terry Funk has some tape from around his wrist, and he's choking and choking the champion. Jimmy Hart, look at, look at how brilliant Funk is. He has that forearm in front. Referee Dave Hefner, totally blinded, does not even know the tape is there. I love it. What a genius Funk is. You can call it genius, I suppose. What a ring genius Terry Funk is. Funk now, quickly throwing the tape away, risking being disqualified, and the referee seen it. He already did the damage. Yes, he has done the damage indeed. Hulk Hogan is in bad shape now. Terry Funk, uh-oh. Here comes a pile driver. That's going to be it. We're going to have a new champion crown. Hulk Hogan pile drive. This could Terry be it, Funk. McMahon. It, it is. Could be we, it. Have one. we have a count of two. 
I'm not too sure about that. He was slow. He hesitated. Boy, was that ever close. That's the closest I've ever seen Hulk Hogan coming to being pinned. And Terry Funk is now really going to take advantage. Look at that. However, the junkyard dog encouraging Hulk Hogan. This capacity crowd here in beautiful Florida encouraging Hulk Hogan. I think it's working. Can't you feel it? Hit him, Funk, hit him! Look at Hulk Hogan coming along. Funk with a series of jabs. They seem to have no effect. Roundhouse right by the Hulkster. Another. Another. Hulk with Terry Funk to the ropes and off. Oh, what an elbow. No, won't let him go down. Hurry, Funk being set up by the champion off the rope. The big boot. Uh-oh. All right, now Jimmy Hart's on the apron. And look, Jesse, in his right hand, the branding iron. What do you expect, McMahon? Jimmy Hart always carries the branding iron. That's nothing new. Hulkster setting up Terry Funk. Jimmy Hart on the apron again. Oh, he nails him. Oh, no, don't cover him. Don't beat him this way, too. The foot on the bottom rope saves Hulk Hogan. Oh, I can't believe the referee saved him. Whoa, look at that. The junkyard dog has just assaulted Jimmy Hart outside the ring, McMahon. What do you have to say to that? Oh, no doubt he deserved it, that's for sure. Hulk Hogan, now Terry Fox spins around. Oh, look at that! What a close line. Hooks the leg, one, two, count of three! What a cheap shot on the part of champion Hogan. Terry Funk over discussing the problem with the referee. Hogan sitting back, waiting for his opportunity, coming in with a cheap shot and saving his title. I can't believe it, McMahon. Oh, look at this. Oh, no. Terry Funk out there now with the referee. Look what he's doing. I suppose you're going to tell me that's justified, too. It is after what that referee did to Terry Funk. I don't blame Terry Funk. The big action against Terry Funk for what we just saw. Hulk Hogan reaches down for him. A disgruntled Terry Funk who has lost his opportunity to win the World Wrestling Federation. Look at this. That's Texas sportsmanship right there. Hook em horns. I love it. All right, here comes the announcement. Hulk Hogan. All right, yes, sir. Hulk Hogan and a successful title defense. A real American if there ever was.